Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Robert Acosta speaking. And very soon we'll be beginning our program, Novel Ideas. Uh, we'd like to read the introduction to you. Novel Ideas will be discussing the book, Once We Were Brothers, by Ronald Balson, B-A-L-S-O-N, DBC 08183. Below is the publisher's summary. The gripping tale about two boys, once as close as brothers, who find themselves on opposite sides of the Holocaust. Elliot Rosenzweig, a respected civic leader and philanthropist, is attending a fundraiser when he is suddenly accosted and accused of being a former Nazi SS officer named Otto Piantek, the butcher of Somosh. Although the charges are denounced as preposterous, his accuser is convinced he is one and engages attorney Catherine Lockhart to bring Rosenzweig to justice. Ben Solomon persuades attorney Catherine Lockhart to take his case, revealing that the true Piantech was abandoned as a child and raised by Solomon's own family, only to betray them during the Nazi occupation. But has Solomon accused the right man? Once We Were Brothers is Ronald B. Balson's compelling tale of two boys and a family who struggle to survive in war-torn Poland and a young love that struggles to endure the unspeakable cruelty of the Holocaust. Two lives, two worlds, and 60 years converge in an explosive race to redemption that makes for a moving and powerful tale of love, survival, and ultimately the triumph of the human spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce our co-host for this event, Randy Shelton and Ruth Anacostia. So the microphone is yours, ladies. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Thanks, Bob. Well, this is a book I've really been anxious to read and discuss. I read it a few years ago on Bookshare when it first came out. So without any further ado, let's do like we usually do and go around and see what everybody thought about the book. Hi, this is Liz speaking. Um, this book was very powerful read. I read it mostly on Audible, and I loved the narrator. And I tried it on um, Bard, and the narr- the reader was is certainly adequate, had a nice speaking voice, but didn't bring as much of character development to the the reading. Um, but for me, it was particularly a heartbreaking story, um, and a little bit too close to some fears that many of us are having right now in our own country. So it was it was pretty emotional at times for me, and um, but it was a very powerful book, and very happy to have read it. Can you guys copy me? Ruth Ann said this mic is not working. You're fine, Bob. Yeah, you are fine, Bob. We, we can hear you. Thank you. Uh, Once We Were Brothers is one of the most compelling books that I have ever read. 
an incredible book, and I hope we come to understand Otto Piontek and what happened to him, because all he received from the Solomons was love. They raised him. They were Jewish, yes, uh, but the father knew it, and he needed someone, of course, to, to raise his son, to get him out of Berlin and so forth. And uh, we'll take it step by step, but I, I just, I want to hear if anybody didn't like it, because, boy, I missed something. It was really a great book. And the reader, Fred Berman, on um, Audible, was a fantastic reader. And I have one question. Was he able to imitate Cat, Catherine? I think he, he did. He sounded <laughs> like a man, a woman, an old Jewish man, a young Jewish man. He was an incredible reader on Audible. I didn't hear the one on, on Bard. I may have to read read the one on Audible now. and That's another question that I'll bring up maybe at the end, uh, searching for books on Audible. Anyway, um, it was a very compelling read. I really, uh, it definitely is thought-provoking and brings back a lot of the history that happened during that awful period of time in Europe. And well, it, it uh, affected us too. Um, I I think I have a pretty darn good idea where Otto got his way of life. Um, what a despicable human being he was! But uh, his parents were not the greatest people either. They were rather despicable in their own right. So um, I'm sure that that's where we're where that came from. I mean, he tried. Uh, he, he tried not to betray the Solomons, but ultimately he did. Uh, this is Alan. Yeah, I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed it, too. Uh, I heard y'all talking last month uh, when you were discussing Stephen King's 112263 about the the narrator on, the, the I guess, the regional Bard version. I tried listening to a little bit of it on Bard, and... Uh, I don't know, it seemed a little bit almost like a throwback to uh, RFB and D days. I, I wasn't really impressed with the narrator. So I ended up getting it on Bookshare and listening to it in Voice Dream Reader with uh, uh, TTS James, Neo Speaks James. And uh, he was excellent. So uh, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was kind of nice. I, I've not listened to a lot of uh, TTS books, but the, the Voice Dream Reader app is really great. And the, uh, the voices are, are really great. And it's nice to be able to go in. And, and get spellings when you want them, and, and if they don't pronounce names right, now you can go in and, or you've always been able with Voice Dream to go in and customize your dictionary, and you can make the, the names pronounced right and stuff. So I had a great experience and, and, and thoroughly enjoyed the book. It was nice reading a, I mean, I've read a lot of these Holocaust-setting books, and usually they've got a lot more blood and guts in them, and I'm glad this one just kind of focused on the story and didn't, they they left a lot of that stuff unsaid, which was which was fine with me because it, w- it was horrible enough without it being thrown in your face all the time. But it, it, I, I really liked the characters in this book. Uh, ben was great. Uh, I've forgotten what the private eye's name was, but he was great, and Catherine was great, and uh, 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 just a very very great story and, and very well done. I wrote at Randy. I wrote you also. You said that there's another book that Balson wrote with Liam and Cap as hero, heroine and hero. And I hope you'll you'll remember that. I think it was you. Yeah, before we go into next month's book, I'll mention that in case anybody wants to read it. But I'll, I'll do that at the end. 
Testing, one, two, three. Can everybody hear me? Yes. Want to comment about the narrator? I thought the narrator was pretty good in the Bard book. I've always liked the Bard narrators pretty good. I think the problem with the DTS would be um, it would trip over the the names because they were so foreign. How would you make it out with the TTS? Well, I mean, uh, the, the names weren't that bad. I mean, uh, I mean, Otto was Otto, and I, I can't even remember what his last name is. Bob pronounced it. It wasn't pronounced a lot different than the way Bob was saying it. So uh, 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 it, it did pronounce uh, Becca as Bika, but I just went in and changed that and it pronounced it correctly the rest of the way. So. Uh, uh, yeah, so it worked well. It was a very moving book, and uh, I hope the guy writes more stuff like that or similar. Well, this is Carl. I have a confession to make. I'm getting to be a real delinquent, but I didn't finish this book. Um, I probably have about four hours and something to go. I guess time gets it beyond me um, when reading books. Um, and I've, it's been complicated by the fact that I'm having trouble with my talking book machine. The battery isn't holding its charge, and so I'm sort of tethered when I want to listen to it. And, and it's not like a cassette where you can switch to Victor Stream and it's going to pick up at the same spot where it left off because it won't because it's the machine that remembers the bookmarks. That's the one aspect I really miss of cassettes. But that said, um, I am, um, you know, I, I'm finding the book to be very compelling. I, I was having a hard time at the beginning um, getting drawn into it. I mean, there were just too many mundane details and I was really it was just sort of a slow start for me and maybe that's why I didn't take off with reading it at the beginning but then it caught on here and um, you know I will finish the book uh, but um, I have the Bard version I'm not a member of Audible and I think the Bard uh, narrator is doing a good job and I think Balson does a very good job of representing what happened during that time in, in German history. And yes, uh, Otto is despicable, and it's it's hard to believe that um, you could grow up with somebody and then um, utterly betray him like that. And, and that's just really, you know, it's just it's just beyond me to, to to think about that. I don't know why. Maybe I'm naive or something, but. That was a really weird time of history because, um, you know, there, were, there was a lot of betrayal going on at that time. I want to start, Alski, if I may. We know the plot. I mean, we can go through it. But Lizabetta, the wife, Lizabetta fully knew the story for 50 years, right? I mean, I guess her, is her greatest fear that she would have been deported? Did it strike you that that was I, – I can't see – you know, Rosenzweig is a pig. She's right along with him. I mean, okay, she's protecting Jennifer, their angel, their granddaughter, who's totally innocent. But she knew about the uniform, getting getting the uniform, helping those people. She knew that this guy was Piantec. Uh And even at the end, as you remember, get it in writing to protect me. You know, get it in writing, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, any thoughts about her? I, I liked her up to up to near the end. I thought she was, you know, she was really trying to help them, and and Otto Piantek beat her up, everything. But at the end, she was pretty shrewd. Yeah, I think um, Elzebeta was um, 
There were many things going on, the deportation, she was afraid for her grandchild, but I think above all, she was a battered wife, and I think she lived in fear of being killed if she were to ever betray Otto, and that's what I think kind of kept her, you know, and... You know, as, as, as much as we don't want to admit it, some people really are totally enslaved to material things. And, and maybe, you know, he gave her this wonderfully luxurious lifestyle, and if she were to be deported, she'd have nothing. So that may have factored into her being willing to. It doesn't make her any less complicit with the problem, but I think between that and the, just being afraid of him um, kept her kind of quiet all those years well thank you yes she was a battered wife i should have brought that in and that's i guess that forgives her but man that's a heavy guilt to see solomon struggling and doing everything he did and uh but she was terribly afraid of him yeah that was interesting how uh as far as she was you know definitely very much afraid of him and uh they didn't talk about her too much in the book at first uh she was a friend of uh, the family, apparently, or she ran into the family somewhere down the road in uh, in the book, and she had helped them before. Yeah, she was Otto's girlfriend at the beginning, and that's how they got to know her, and Hannah, and Otto, uh, well, and no, that's right, and Ben became a Three Musketeers, very close friends. Are you all hearing me? Yeah. Okay, I agree that Otto was a pig. But I want to play devil's advocate for a minute. Given the circumstances that he was in, he was he was raised by a Jewish family. He was abandoned by his own parents and raised by a Jewish family. And then after things really got going and he ended up going to the Germans. That, um, that to me, yeah, he ended up going with the Germans and forsaking the family that raised him. But, that could have been a survival move on his part. Survival of the fittest, so to speak. Terrible and sickening, but um, he was... He probably saw that he had no choice or, or they would kill him too as a traitor. Well... Randy, I understand what you're saying, and I thought of that, and he was their guardian angel at first. He did help them. However, under Nuremberg trial rules, I was following orders. It didn't hold up. Guys were hung for that. Guys were in prison under war. You know, I was following orders. That's what he, when he was a good little Nazi, you know, at the, and yes, you could argue he, he, his mother took him to Berlin and they converted him to Hitler Youth, and on and on. But I think he he could have saved the father and those guys from being shot. He was the commander. He could have said, I want the, the, at least the family to come with me. I will deal with them in my own way. I want to torture them. And he was the commander. He said, I would have been shot by the Gestapo. No, he was, he was not just an average 
soldier there. And yet, yet he ordered the shooting of Abraham, uh, you know, and all that in the church there. And uh, he said, well, they'd have been dead anyway. You know, they'd have been dead anyway. And uh, so, yeah, I know. It's, he did do some good things, but, but the bad that he did, to me, overshadows that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of inclined to think with Bob. I'm, I understand how he got derailed by the Nazis. That was truly at that point in his time. He was kind of a young, you know, young guy, a, a, basically a child. He did that to survive, but he had so many opportunities, opportunities for redemption, and yet he continued to profit from everything. And um, he never attempted to make any kind of restitution or. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he he'd be in that basket of deplorables, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. He 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 had many opportunities to repent or to change, and he he just didn't. Oh, I totally agree. I was just throwing that out for discussion purposes, but yeah, I totally agree. He he was definitely in that basket of deplorables, and to shoot the father who raised the man who raised him as a father figure and who was a father figure and it was just it was horrible what he did and he deserved what he got in the end and I have one more question of you though to explain Otto why did he steal the jewelry how do we explain that one you know he he did it early you could we could sell art well Hitler so dominated him that he stole the jewelry I mean, he stole it to keep up with his Nazi friends. So that, that jewelry, which was given to him in trust uh, in the barn and all that stuff, he stole it. That, that, was, the, that was really what got Ben Solomon. Not, not the amount, but that he stole the, the money, the hard-earned money by these Jews, including his father. That is unforgivable. Yeah, Randy, I just wanted to say I totally understand throwing something out there for just discussion's sake. If you'll remember last month, I threw out the concept that Al might have been the devil. <laughs> so I understand. I, I love people that take those kinds of risks, so it's cool. I'm not defending Otto. However, he might have thought he had no choice, he had to do it, or the party would have thought he was a Jew, sympath- a Jew supporter and he would have been killed himself if he didn't go along and steal all these jewels and stuff. Remember, the, the Germans at the time were stealing and taking all the arts of Europe and all the money and putting it into these Swiss banks that only they could get you after the war. That was their plan, remember. Well, I think the thing that... This is Linda Davis, by the way. I think the thing that really struck me as, as so sad was when his mother came back for him and he didn't want to go. And he was told, you'd go ahead and do it. And then, boy, you know, he, you know, it's just sad, that the, the turnaround that he made and how he could live with himself doing that. I don't know. But the jewelry, yeah, he should have, he should have kept it for and then he it seems like he didn't really look you know to see if he was actually um alive or you know solomon but but he um it was just so sad that and he didn't look to to find him so that he could give him whatever he could to help him afterwards you're correct there and uh 
he he also um, oh I remember Abraham told him to go because he wanted an insider he wanted somebody who could tip them off a little bit and uh, maybe that was unrealistic of Abraham to expect that of a young man and he became a Hitler youth you know he became corrupted by the people around him and also to live I agree with what you guys are saying I guess it's easy for me to sit here and say, oh boy, he should have just charged the German army. He would have been killed. But could he have made it a little bit inside, tipping those people off in some way? He did a little bit. Meet me at the park, you know, and uh, listen, you guys. Uh, but uh, he, he only could go so far. They were really watching him in that respect. And then he became a Nazi. And then, uh, of course, we think of him coming to America, making his money in Argentina, and living the good life. The great philanthropist, everybody loved him, you know. And I give to Jewish causes. I give to everybody, you know. I'm a great. I'm a, the greatest guy in the world, and uh, he could never sell that guilt in my book. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I there were things that he did do that were right. I mean, he helped them get on. He helped. Uh, help them get out he wanted to help them get out of uh, Poland or get out of the city that they were in and he wanted he tried to give them a ride and then he um, he, he got caught and uh, you know had to give the wine to someone else that he was driving them the, the truck and and tried doing that sort of thing but he just it didn't go far enough I mean whenever the first little thing would come up, he would have kind of give in and forget what he was, you know, should be doing. We haven't heard from Gil. Gil, do you want to chime in here? Gil, if you hit F8 and write something like, my mic's not working or I don't have a mic, and enter, we can read it with F9. Randy or something, one of us can read it. Where's Ethan? Is Ethan here? Okay. Do you have a mic, Ethan? I had to go out of the room and come back in again. Something happened, and it, I don't know, it said that it stopped working. So I had to go out and come in, and I don't know if anyone else is having that same problem or not. Well, I don't think I am, obviously. I'm talking a lot, but... Uh, we can take this. What about, uh, you know, let's move ahead here. What about Liam and Kat? That, that, are they going to get married in the next book, do you think? I think we're kind of the brightness of the book. And uh, <clears throat> I hope they do get married. I know she had a, a hard way to go with her husband and everything. But uh, um, Liam, you know, has loved her through the years and everything. And... Uh, if there is another book, I hope they do uh, get married. Oh, okay. He said uh, the mic is not working. So, um, so yeah, they, they were the they were the brightness of the book, and uh, it just goes to show that you never really know people. <clears throat> you know, everybody thought that um, Rosen's wife was this upstanding citizen and generous to a fault, always giving to everyone and and yet come to find out 
he was a Nazi war criminal, and it, his name was all over town. And it just just goes to show that you you never really know people. In some cases, we don't all walk around with this kind of secret in our past, but in this case, someone did. And I don't believe that he was such a philanthropist because he was trying to cover up his guilt. I mean, I mean, I don't think he felt guilty at all as to what he did. You know, look at his actions at the end. You know, do you know who I am? And I'm this great guy, and um, I think he, I think he gave away all this money and everything just in in order to. Uh, cover his guilt, not to admit to it, but um, you know, just cover up what a what a pig he was, and uh, you know, he was not a nice man at all, and he was not doing all this, these good deeds and everything for the for his uh, city uh, fellow uh, Chicagoans. Um, he just did it to show what what a big man he was. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Marsha. I was going to say something similar that, you know, I, I suppose somebody might argue that he's trying to make re- reparation for, um, you know, all of the, the horrible things he did by doing all this good stuff. But you know what? If you hurt somebody and that person is still alive, you cannot possibly right the wrong you did to him by going out and doing something nice for somebody else. So again, he had opportunities when he when he met Solomon. He, there was a, a yet another opportunity for him to kind of try to make restitution with Solomon. Um, that was yeah with Ben, right? Ben Solomon. Um, so yeah, it it was all a smokescreen, and I I I think that there are a lot of people in this world who have a lot of money, so it's not really any problem for them to give away. You know, twenty-five million dollars. It makes nothing. It has it has no impact on them at all. But to the outside world, it makes them look like a good guy. You know, so I I, I think people do that kind of stuff all the time just to cover themselves up. Somebody did that today. Twenty-five million to people. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Marsha, you make a good point. I I think you're right. I don't think he felt guilty at all. It's just that this is his way to be known and be the center of attention, giving money to the people of Chicago. But you're right. And uh, he took the, he was just, until his lawyer dropped him, Jethro, finally dropped him. We don't want to deal with you. You're a Nazi. We don't want to, I, I, our firm is dropping you. And uh, he, he realized, okay, I've really had it, but I'm going to be arrogant. I'm going to say, and, and uh, he went to Israel for trial, which, oh, man. As you remember the Eichmann story, where Eichmann would get roses for his wife on their wedding anniversary. He was hiding in Argentina, and that was one thing the Israelis knew. And this man, this older man, went and got flowers, got roses, and they circled him and said, Are you Eichmann? And he said, Yes. And they just put him on a plane, had a quick trial, and hung him in about three days. Yeah, yeah, Otto was just another rich guy uh, uh, that using his money to get his, you know, whatever his agenda was, and uh, it, 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 he sure wasn't any kind of a good guy. So uh, uh, 
uh, yeah, and I, <laughs> I sure hope we're not going to see some of that in this country. But uh, uh, you, you get a measure of a man by how he acts and stuff. Just because he has money doesn't mean anything. So uh, uh, it means he can buy off a lot of folks, but it sure doesn't make him a good person. Yeah, that's true. And the the thing is, you know, he would probably try to justify himself by saying, well, I really didn't want to go in the first place, and your father told me to go, you know. And so he's kind of felt justified in a sense. But then again, I think in some respects, maybe a little tiny bit, he was trying to ease his conscience because he knew that he was so wrong. And I think in his own mind, he may have tried to ease his conscience a little bit, not completely, but a little bit. Well, look what he did to Ben Solomon in the end. He went to him and tried to pay him off. And Ben Solomon said no. So, yeah, he thought money could buy him everything, and he didn't want that to get out. I think that's an excellent point. He didn't get it. I'll give you, what, 20 million, 25 million dollars, Ben, if you just drop this whole thing, you know, and he, he, you know what Ben told him. I won't say the words, but he, he didn't get it. He didn't realize or didn't want to realize what, that he was a part of the Holocaust. He was not him either. The way he lived, too, with his house and his his servants and having them do everything for him and <clears throat> the big grand house, all for show. And I wonder if those thugs would have killed Ben the second time when he ran up all those flights of steps to get away from him and, you know, Liam called the police. And they disappear, but I, you, I wonder, because he was an old man with a bad heart, and even beating him up could have killed Ben. That would have solved the problem. That's where Rosenzweig was by then. At first, oh, no, I don't... And he, he knew his man, because he said, Ben, uh, Rosenzweig will never go to court. He won't appear in court against me. And he dropped the charges, you know, and, and he knew his man pretty well. Now, do we have a problem that he gave Cap the whole story, you know, day after day, I can tell you the lawyers I have would say, wrap this up, give me the gist of it, give me the proof. But I guess he had to win her over totally to get her committed. But it was, it was a great story. But uh, she kept saying, Ben, you know, I've got a law firm. I'm, you know, I have to work for the firm. But I guess he had to do it his way, as he kept telling her. I guess... That's right, that they did have to do it his way. I don't know that she would have believed him if he had just given it, say, in a 5 or 10 or 15-minute version. He had to make her feel what he went through. And also I was thinking that maybe if uh, Ben hadn't been so horrible and wound up going to kill those people when they he knew very well who they were, that was kind of like the final getting at those people getting at the family and, um, you know, hanging the priest from the bell tower and shooting the father and sending uh, the women off to uh, Auschwitz. That was kind of like 
I finally gotten rid of him. And I think there he had a lot of resentment toward um, what's his name? Doc on it. I'm sorry. Uh, toward the guy, you know, he that uh, Ben had a lot of resentment toward um, or the you know the man who was the protagonist here. Otherwise, I don't think he would have done some of the things that he did. I mean, he just was. It was like I when I saw him uh, when he was coming when they were at the church and and he was telling um, he saw him he says well you're this well educated man and I was just the son the, the son of a shepherd and now I am the one that gets to talk and you don't have anything to say about everything I think there was some real resentment and I think. Uh, he just had done so many terrible things that he just, like, lost it and everything. I think you mean Otto. Otto was the bad guy. Ben was the good guy. Yeah, he hated Ben. And why? Because Ben had the parents that he didn't have. He said, "There's Mr. even in the church, there you are, Mr. Perfect, beg me. Get on your knees. You told Abraham to beg him. But, he, but he said, I'll take Ben myself i'm going to torture him because ben was a guerrilla fighter but ben was a fair-haired boy i mean he was great i you know his, his father said i'm so proud of you and you know at times and the time his father slapped him in the face because uh ben said you you gotta leave you you can't serve these people anymore let's go let's get out of here and he slapped him and then ben later went and apologized he was a good son and Otto didn't have that relationship with his parents, and there was hatred there. Marshall Moses. And uh, it, it, that's right, it came out. Certainly at the church. The church is the high watermark. I mean, all the hatred, all the problems were right there in that church where he, he, he killed them all, but he, he couldn't get rid of them. You know, the old story, you may kill me, but you'll never defeat me. Or in the Hemingway, Old Man in the Sea. Um, yeah, I think that... Uh the only way Otto could live with himself it's like when when you when you're doing horrible things to somebody and you know you've done horrible things to them the only way to live with yourself if in fact you're not going to do the the high road and, and repent for that is to turn that person into an object of disgust and hatred so that all of the things that you've done to them don't they don't matter anymore they just don't matter because you've convinced yourself that that person that that had them done to is just you know, not worth the bother. So I think that that's, you know, it, there may have been some jealousy there too, but I, I really think that that was all about Otto's psyche trying to construct a world that he could still live in and think he was an okay guy. So Ben had to become this horrible person that he hated. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I agree with both you, Bob and Liz. Uh, ben had to, or I'm sorry, uh, Elliot or or uh, Otto or whatever uh, had to had to justify his actions in his own mind uh, in order that he could you know turn the world the way he wanted it and he could live with it. Um, and as far as Hannah goes, we haven't talked much about her uh, when they when uh, at the church when when she and uh, oh that other uh, woman um, the one that uh, that Ben rescued. Um, the night that he went to save Becca, and uh, and uh, he killed the the soldier, <clears throat> and they left, you know, the mansion or whatever. Um, but anyway, when they left, I just had a feeling that Hannah was not 
they didn't die in the concentration camps. Because, you know, when, when Ben would kind of go off into his own world there, and uh, we didn't know where he went on Friday afternoons. And um, I, I just I just had a, a little feeling in the back of my mind that, that she had survived and they made it over here to uh, the U.S. Oh, I, that's good, good insight. Yeah, Hannah did survive. And Adele kind of was a thread. She was no dummy, that Adele. And uh, she she helped wrap things up for Cat at the end, and that's why Cat continued to visit the graves, you know, and so forth. But Adele is a thread. That's why this guy's such a great writer, in my opinion. She wasn't just a rich lady. He said, "Meet this guy Ben," you know. Oh no, she knew the story, and she knew Hannah. She said she was a lifelong friend, a wonderful woman, and uh, yeah, that's a Hannah's was very courageous, and she. She knew uh, Ben. I want to, Liz struck home a little bit. I won't get into why, but until someone, uh, how can I say this? Until someone who's wronged you admits to it, there's no hope. As long as that person who wronged you treats himself as a victim, you know, I didn't look at me, you know, I'm a great guy and you're the bad guy, Ben. You're the one. But until he admits, no, I made mistakes, please forgive me. You know, the guy's lost, and that's what uh, Piantek uh, did. He, he was, I'm the victim. What could I do? What could I have to live? I have to live. Yes, I stole the jewelry. I needed the money, and it's your fault. It's your family. And as long as he got in that mode, he, he was destined to go to hell. <laughs> I mean, he was destined. But when you finally can say, you know, please forgive me. I did wrong. But he was never going to get to that point. Never. No, that's for sure. And that love story between Hannah and Ben was that was just such a, a wonderful part of the book and the way they came together in the end and and Adele. Adele was such a a great character too and the way she helped to pull everything together and that was one of my favorite scenes in the book when Catherine had to take a stand and she walked out because her law firm wouldn't let her work with Ben anymore and she found it she found it within herself to just take a stand and and do what was right and walk away and she knew she wasn't happy in that law firm anyway and that was that was the catalyst for her to start her own practice and move on. I was uh, interested or I was touched by the Thanksgiving dinner that uh, Catherine had at her home where she had members of her family, especially Frank and her, uh, her sister and different people. And uh, she described Ben as a, a person with idiosyncrasies, and uh, Frank says, oh, yeah, idiosyncrasies, and how um, Ben managed to just demolish uh, or put Frank in his place and uh, found that Frank found that he was a pretty decent guy. But I, I thought that, found that whole thing fairly amusing because so many times families are like that on Thanksgiving. But it was, uh, I thought that was an interesting thing. 
Yeah, I like that scene too, and uh, I, I like the way that Ben kind of, kind of. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, he was obviously a, a true soul, a good guy, all the way to the bottom of his heart, and I like the way he kind of turned things around on on Frank, and and, and you know, I think Frank saw that too by the end of the meal. So, you know, I, I, that scene with Adele at the end w- w- was great, and you know, I know she was a friend of their family. I missed where they introduced her. When did she originally come in to the book? Because I, I wasn't, you know, it seemed to me like she just kind of popped up there at the end. And I know it's because I had missed, I had lost track of when she first came in. Uh, so somebody straightened me out there. I'll try, but somebody's going to do better. Right at the beginning of the book, uh, Adele asked Liam, can you help Ben? Can you find someone to help him? You know, he's really hurting. I, was it when Ben um, tried to assassinate uh, Elliot Rosenzweig at the opera or whatever it was? And then Adele said, can, can, can you get him a lawyer? Can you help him? I, that's what I remember her. Uh, you, somebody may have a better memory on this. She came in at the beginning, near the beginning of the book, though. Yeah, she did. She, was, she always looked in on Ben and always tried to take care of him after Hannah's death and and she when he tried to assassinate Rosen's wife and he was he came out of the hospital and she tried to she got them together and she actually went with him to the lawyer's office the second time I think the first or second time that he met with Kat yeah, that's that's right. You, you, you've tickled my memory now, and I, I remember that now. And I, and I guess it was just a, there was a long stretch that I guess she didn't pop up that much. But now that y'all say that, I remember her being introduced at the beginning and, and kind of getting them together and stuff. So thanks. Yeah, with um, Adele, I don't – did they ever really tell us how she initially got involved with Ben and Hannah? That's the piece that I didn't know. How did they become lifelong friends? Where did they meet? I don't know that they covered her – to that extent, but yeah, she was at the beginning. And am I remembering correctly? Because didn't when Ben went to the opera, he had the gun or case, but he didn't. He didn't have any intention of assassinating him because there weren't any bullets in the gun. Is that is that a? Am I misremembering that incident? Nope, you got it right. In fact, there wasn't even a firing pin in the gun, so it was totally useless. He was just uh, using it as a prop, you know, to. Uh, to try to to get uh, Rosen Swag to admit that who he was, and I don't believe they did cover how Ben and and Hannah uh, met Adele and and how their friendship started. Unless I'm not remembering this well either. No, they didn't. They she just says, "Well, did you know Hannah? We were lifelong friends." So it might have been at the temple. It might have been at uh, you know some Jewish senior citizens group. I don't know. I thought she might have been the girl that he rescued from the uh, that place when he went, you know, the other girl that escaped with him, but maybe not. Somebody brought up, yeah, that's a good point. Somebody brought up Lucienne, that, that uh, don't don't miss the thing at the mansion with the loot in that brothel or whatever it was. And Becca was a courageous woman. She says, here's one Jewish girl you're not going to get. And she leaped out the window and Lucienne, Lucienne was ter- terribly afraid, you know, 
And, uh, you know, Ben got her out of there. They pretended they're drunk. And she finally uh, dies, doesn't she, on a train, a death train or whatever it was. Uh, Hannah tried to keep her alive with courage, you know, and everything. But Lucien finally faded out. But I felt sorry for her. And she she chose to go with them. She says, I have nothing in my home. I'll go with you guys, with the girls. Yeah, she didn't survive. Uh, I think she made it almost till, till the end until the Americans came in and rescued everybody. But... Uh, yeah, and uh, Hannah tried to keep her going, but she finally just was too weak and succumbed. So, uh, so that was not her that uh, you were talking about. I, I don't even. I'm not sure, sir, who, who <laughs> I missed your name. I think Lucienne or something. And also the way that corporal he told Hannah, "If you get well, I'll take you to Ben. We, we'll go to the cabin." And here they come. It's just, it's just such a beautiful story, so well written. But it wasn't hokey. It wasn't, you know, everybody says, I know a friend who says romance or whatever love stories are predictable. Well, not always. It's, it's just, it was a great book. No, this wasn't hokey at all. That was Thomas who said that, thinking that Adele was Lucienne. No, this, until that happened I didn't I didn't know that Hannah was going to the cabin you know that that they would hook up again and when I first read this book it it took a minute for me to catch up and you know catch on to that but it was just so beautifully written and I'm glad that everybody has enjoyed this book it's one of my favorites and I one of the reasons I liked it too is because it it doesn't delve in, into as much of the violence and the terror of World War II and all that the Nazis did but you get enough of it and just I, I just like I said this is one of my all time favorite books if not my favorite about World War II. Well, one thing that if, if I were to characterize about this book as far as I've gotten anyhow and somebody were to ask me for themes, I think the theme of this book is courage. When you think of all the courageous characters, of, of Becca, you know, and, and, and her courage on standing up to that, that Nazi that was, you know, and, and the, the courage of Catherine... You know, Catherine Lockhart, uh, Kathy, the lawyer, and the courage of Lucienne and the, the courage of, of Ben. Um, you know, and and maybe uh, another thing would be like the courage, um, maybe the dichotomy between the courage and cowardice, um, the cowardice of Otto. You know, in a lot of ways he was a coward, um, and how, um, and and. I don't think there's any way of overstating Hitler's evilness and his um, his charisma and how he was able to influence people, how he was able to brainwash people. Um, when you think of the Hitler youth, you know if you've read anything about that, um, 
that um, sometimes it, it was almost impossible. It was like he had a hold on him. He he also he almost reminded me of Jimmy Jones and the Jimmy Jones cult. How he just had such a hold on all of these people. And and, and when you think about in history in Germany. He he was at first he was viewed as a rescuer because Germany was really in a, a state of depression and they just um, held on uh, you know um, um, held on to him as as a hero to get him out of the depression at first and then um, the denial I, I guess people didn't know during these times that it, um, they they couldn't believe that such awful things were going on that the things were so bad and there was a lot of denial going on because they didn't want to believe too so I don't know I thought it was uh, you know I think it's a good book and I will finish it but I, you know I think it's well written and uh, and those are the themes that I thought that were brought forth in the book Carly do finish it yes please and and that's the concern it it, it isn't that oh, I'm going to say it. It isn't that we don't want to unify behind a new president or whatever, but the pre- that new president said horrible things, and now is he going to say, just kidding? That's that's the problem. The words are there. I didn't make them up. Arla Hayes. And uh, you didn't make them up. And yet people heard it, and they said, we don't care, or we, or we just want change. And so they voted for change, so they've got it. So I don't want to hear complaints. They got, a, they got, they got their president, but... Hitler was voted in, ladies and gentlemen, as vice chancellor of Germany. Yes, he used stormtroopers. Yes, he told he used the Jews as the scapegoats and pounded at them, you know, and that was his scapegoat. But he was elected and then von Hindenburg uh, retired and Hitler took over. But he was elected, albeit, as I said, stormtroopers beating up people in the crowds and all that. But the German people were desperate. They were in a depression. They were told their country was not good, that it was, you know, blah, 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 and they fell for it. Thank you, Bob. I really appreciate that because, as I said in the beginning, this book was really emotional for me, and it really was because of what is happening in our own country today. And really everybody in this room falls into one of the categories that our president-elect was mocking um, but for me, it's especially hard because I am a Muslim, and um, while I'm a you know citizen and a, I'm not an immigrant, and I'm certainly not a criminal, um, I don't know. I'm sure that all the people, all of the good, upstanding Jews of Germany, never anticipated that their homes would be taken from them, and that they would be forced to register, and that they would be forced into internment camps. So. There's a part of me, although I'm really working very hard at not letting that part get real big, but there was a part of me that was scared to death while reading this book. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate Bob's words. Thank you. There is a parallel there, absolutely. And you're right, Bob. They they voted him in. Thank God I didn't, but they did. And uh, it, it's it's this is not good. But anyway, I, you know, this is not the platform, but I'm glad you said it, Liz, uh, Bob and Liz. I'm glad you, you know, told everybody, you know, the fact that you are a Muslim and, uh, well, you know, God help us all. That's all I can say. Yeah, I totally agree. But before we totally get into politics and what happened and why and what was said and i um, the 
the other theme I think that comes out of this too, that one of the other themes of the book was hope, good versus evil, and the hope that that they would triumph, and they did. Ben and Hannah married and had many, many years and a good life. And Ben eventually was victorious in the end because he was right all along. And his friend Morton helped him in the end. Remember, Morton was a little hesitant to commit that the person he saw was Otto. And he did help him in the end. And they realized that Elspieto was the, the one that they needed to go after and subpoena. So really, I think it was hope that triumphed in the end, too, and good versus evil. That's a good point, Randy. And Morton helped him, I don't think by identifying Piontek, but he sure helped him with the tattoo. He said, that can't be him. These are phony phony numbers. And uh, Morton was great. Yeah, he, uh, he, I worried about him at the beat. Well, I don't know. You know, I just briefly saw him, you know. Uh, and all of this all started. Ben was watching TV, and he sees Rosenzweig out there getting some award. He goes, that's Otto Piontek, and that's what started it. I know that was awesome. I forgot about that little detail. Um, I just really have such tremendous... Uh, respect and admiration for authors and, and the way they can tell the story and that they do that research to bring out those little tiny details to make it really authentic and, and you know I think everybody thinks or a lot of people think that they can write a book and tell a great story but no this I mean a true author is is just an amazement to me I think it's interesting, too. We hear a lot about the Nazis, a lot about the Jews, but we never really hear much about the Poland side of it. Remember, Poland doesn't get doesn't get invaded till very late in the war, well, 39, I think it's summer 39. And we don't hear much about the Poland side. We always hear about the rest of Germany and the rest of Europe. It's really interesting to hear that side of it. Oh, Poland, yeah, that's when the war started. I mean, 39 got, then France and all those guys came in and different sides. But yes, the, the, and the Polish weren't ready. They had horses against the panzer tanks and the Stukas and dive bombers. And, and uh, you know, they, they told Abraham, get out. You know, uh, and Uncle, remember Uncle Joseph? He wouldn't, they wouldn't leave. And, they, and I can't blame them. It's, it's our homeland. You know, we'll, uh, I'm going to stay. You know, and, and I think Ben said, you got to leave. you got to get out of here. And had Otto been, had they rewritten it another way, and Otto led them through the mountains and was a spy in his own way, you could have great admiration, even if he were killed. But he, he didn't do it that way. But again, I'm sitting here, and I'm not living in Germany, in, the, in, in war-torn Germany, so I don't know. But, uh, it, yeah, you're, you're right there. Yeah, it was absolutely horrible what he did. And like I said, thank goodness Ben got what Ben was proven right in the end. And Otto was sent to Israel where he belonged and hung. 
I'm sure. Do we have, uh, what's our next book, Randy? I don't mean to shorten this, but... Well, people asked if there was another book by Ron Bolson, and there is. Unfortunately, it's only available on Audible, and it's called Saving Sophie, S-O-P-H-I-E. And it's about a, from what I read, I think it's about a, a man who is looking for his daughter, and she was taken from the country. So, and it does involve Liam and Kat. But it's only, it's not available on Bard. Well, next month is December, so that's Christmas, and we thought we would do a Christmas book. Some of you may have already read it. I haven't yet. I started it last year and never finished it. But we're going to do The Christmas Train by David Baldacci, and it's DB55045. It's seven hours long, and it's read by um, L.J. Ganser, so it should be a good one. It should be a great read. There's another great author you think of, oh, he's going to be violence, killing everybody. But, no, he could write all kinds of books, David Baldacci. One summer he wrote, I think. Uh, he just writes all kinds. I love him. He's really great. So uh, I have it loaded. I never read it. And I looked in my stream, and there it is. So I'll try to read it. And what's the date, Randy, that we get together? December 16th. Well, I was thinking, oh, I don't want to read a sappy Christmas book. But I, I know if David Baldacci writes it, it won't be sappy. So... That's good. I'll read it. 